Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. Well, if you're listening and you've been anywhere in the United States of America, you know it's been hot for the last few weeks, and we're finally getting a little bit of a break in that. Now, I could tell you it's been super hot here, but many of our listeners will say, well, you don't live in Florida, you don't live in Texas, you don't live out in Phoenix, so you don't even know what hot is. And some people say, well, it's the humidity of the South. It's different than the dry West. And while there's a different difference in the humidity and dry heat, when you get anywhere near 100 and above, it's just plain hot. And can I say it's been hot, 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 and I'm glad to feel a little relief, and I hope you are as well. Now, we've been looking at uh, the wilderness experience that Jesus went into and how the Holy Spirit is what led Jesus there to be tempted. It's very interesting that it wasn't Satan that led him. It wasn't Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit of God that led Jesus to be tempted there in the wilderness. We talked about the wilderness, how we can find ourselves there. Uh, God can lead us. We can force ourselves through decisions, how other people's decisions can force us in places of wilderness. But nonetheless, one, God never leaves us. We have to speak truth to ourselves. We can't go on our emotions and how we feel. We may feel God is not there. We may not feel God's presence. We may not feel that we're close to God. But the Holy Spirit of God that's given to believers never leaves. And so no matter how long the wilderness feels, no matter how lonely the wilderness feels, the Holy Spirit is always there. And that's a great promise that we have. And to understand God uses the wilderness experiences to produce growth in our lives. They're not purposeless. They're not aimless. They're not wasted time. But as we continue down through our passage here, we want to look at what Jesus did here and how or how he rebuttaled, if you will, or how he defended himself against the three temptations that Satan brought to his life. And then we want to talk about at the very end, how do we discern the voice? What do we mean? We we're talking about the, the flesh and the spirit. We're talking about the the flesh speaks, the spirit speaks, and you and I find ourselves in that internal struggle. The flesh says, hey, do this. You'll like it. The the spirit says, no, don't do that, or no, do this. And they're constantly at battle, but you and I make the decision of which voice we're going to listen to. How can we discern which voice is speaking? Because sometimes it's hard to know. We're going to talk about that at the very end of our episode. I believe that'll be helpful and practical for you. But we notice the enemy attacked in the wilderness in the lonely moments. Yes, the Holy Spirit intentionally led Jesus into the wilderness, that wilderness being a deserted, lonely place. And many times it's in our lonely moments that Satan lights to attack. That's why we say we have to be very careful of isolation. Because isolation is the devil's playground. There's a difference in being isolated and being in a place of solitude. Solitude is when you and I step away. We put down the phone. We put down the uh, the connections. We turn off the TV. We turn off the voices. And we get along with God. When the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God, we're, we're experiencing solitude. We're by choice stepping away to commune, to spend time with God, to direct our attention to Him. Isolation, on the other hand, is when we step away from it all. 
And we find ourselves alone. We find ourselves alone mentally, physically, and we do it because of fear. We do it because of stress. We do it because uh, we just want to get away from things. We do it because the pressure is too hot, all different types of things. Uh, but isolation is a dangerous place, and that's when Satan likes to attack. Remember, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. Is he going to devour the one that's in close fellowship with God, or is he going to devour the one who's isolated and all alone? Is he going to devour the one who has a lot of people around them, encouraging them, building them up, that they have a great community of believers around them, they're active in their small group in their church, and uh, they, they have good people around them? Or is he going to attack the one who's all alone, who's not utilizing the resources they have around them, who's not engaging in community and relationships? Yeah, he's going to attack the one that is lonely and also in their weakest moments. Here, Satan attacked Jesus in his weakest moment. We see Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Can I say this? Jesus was very, very, very hungry. You could even say that Jesus was hangry. You ever been like that when your stomach overrules your mind, your attitude, and you begin to get angry because you're so hungry? Well, here Jesus finds himself there. The scripture even tells us in Matthew chapter 4 that he fasted 40 days and he was hungry. And when he was hungry, it says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So Satan loves to find the weakest point, our weakest link. And that's what he likes to key in on in the temptation. Now, we must establish the temptation is not sin. It's what we do with the temptation that determines whether it will be sin or not. If you and I act on the temptation, then yes, it becomes sin. If you and I do not act on the temptation and we flee from it, we defend ourselves from it, then there's no sin there. But Satan loves to attack us in our weakest moment, which is why it's so hard for us to say no. And he knows how to come to us with our flesh, our cravings. Many times Satan loves to attack with a question or a statement meant to insinuate a question. Remember Genesis 3, he came to Adam and Eve and he said, Yea, hath God said. Is that really what God said? Are you sure you understood that verse correctly? Are you sure he did not mean this? Are you sure it's not okay for you to do that, but it's okay? And he begins to call question into their mind, calls doubt. Here he's saying, are you really the son of God? Here he's saying, does God really love you? That's kind of the two questions he's proposing here in this temptation. If thou be the son of God, if you're really the son of God, are you sure you're the son of God, Jesus? Well, if you are, command that these stones be made bread. Are you sure that God loves you? You see, the first attack questioned God's love. If you're truly loved by God, then why did God allow this in your life? You ever had situations like that where your mind begins to say, if if God truly loved me, why did he allow this in my life? If you're hungry, why isn't he feeding you? If God loves you and you're hungry, why is he not feeding you? If God loved you, then why did he put you into this wilderness? Why would he allow these circumstances to come into your life? Why would he lead you into the wilderness for this to happen? How could God ever allow this to happen to you if he loved you? We're going to talk about this, but that's not the voice of the spirit. That's the voice of the flesh and the voice of Satan. You see, Satan then tempted Jesus to put his physical needs before his spiritual needs. And we do this 
When we do this, we sin. You see, our physical needs are powerful. Hunger being one of those, we have to eat. Lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the desire for things. For some people, uh, that turns into addictions, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, pornography addiction, all sorts of addictions from that lust. Then you could go the other way and recognition, the desire for recognition, for status, for success. You see, you and I have these things, and they're natural to the flesh, and Satan knows how to tempt us because he knows fulfilling these powerful physical needs are hard to say no, and I struggle with them. You struggle with certain ones. I struggle with certain ones. You see, Jesus could have easily turned the stones into food to satisfy his craving, but he did not act on the temptation. Remember, the temptation is not the sin. It's what you do with the temptation. You see, when we allow our circumstances to lead us, because we're hungry, because, hey, we're, we're getting recognition, because, wow, I can still scroll on my phone and keep looking at the porn. I can keep, I can keep drinking. I can keep doing the pills or whatever it is. When we allow our circumstances to lead us instead of God's will, that's when sin comes in. It's interesting that Jesus countered the attack by quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He reminded Satan that the spiritual is more important than the physical, that feeding on God's word is more important than eating physical food. Can I say, tell that to your stomach? Your stomach don't like to hear that because our stomach is hungry. And sometimes our desire for food, our desire for the addiction, our desire for the recognition, the status, the success, to have the followers, to have the likes on social media, whatever it is, will do certain things to fulfill those desires, to fulfill the physical before the spiritual. In John chapter 4, verses 32 through 34, Jesus talked about this. He said, but he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of, speaking to his disciples. Let me back up so you get the context. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And, and therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Hey, did somebody drop off a, a happy meal over here to Jesus? Did somebody go through the drive through for him? Did we miss something? And Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What is he saying? There's something more important than your physical desires and needs. There's something more important than eating a hamburger or a steak. And it's the spiritual. That's what's important. So the first attack here, question God's love. The second attack, misuse God's word. You see, this would be a temptation of possessions and power. Uh, Satan would bring him to Jerusalem and put him on top of the temple. And he would say, if thou be the son of God, again, questioning him here, if you really are the son of God, then cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hand, they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So here, uh, Satan is interesting that Satan can quote scripture. And essentially what he's saying here is, if you say you follow God and live by his word, what about this then? And he quotes from Psalm 91, 11, and 12. And he says, look, you can jump off this temple, and according to the word of God, God is going to protect you. He's going to catch you. 
You see, this attack used scripture, but it used it out of context. Satan didn't use the entirety of the verse, and he's using it out of context. If God is who he says he is and he loves you, then he will protect you if you jump. Basically saying, hey, this verse means that God will protect everyone who defies the natural law of gravity and that defies common sense. Meaning, I can go to any bridge and jump off of it, and according to this verse, God is going to protect me. I can go to the tallest uh, building in downtown New York and jump from it, and according to this verse, God is going to protect me. We understand that is not the context of the passage. And taking scripture out of context is a major, major issue. Entire false doctrines and religions are built upon taking scripture out of context. False claims, false views of God, false promises. And that's why it's so important that you and I know all of scripture so that we do not do this personally nor allow someone to do it to us. And Jesus, again, counters the temptation with another verse. Jesus uses God's word again. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now the third attack comes. Satan did not let up. Here's Jesus in his weakest moment. Three attacks trying to take him down. This third attack offered a shortcut to the will of God. So Satan offered, a, offered Jesus a shortcut. He said, look, I'll give you everything. He taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said, just do one thing. Fall down and worship me one time, and all these things will I give thee. You see, God had already promised Jesus that he would give him the nations of the world. All the nations are his, but he would have to suffer. So here Satan says, look, if you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you all this, and you can do a shortcut. You can side cut the will of God. You can enjoy all the glory without the suffering. This is the temptation to take a shortcut on God's will, to do it our way or in our time. Can I tell you this? There is no shortcut to doing God's will. And knowing God has a will for your life, you need to understand this. Satan also has a will for your life. And many times Satan's will will look more attractive. It'll be quicker. It'll be easier. God's will, on the other hand, is the best for your life. God's will may take a little longer. God may lead you through a wilderness. And Satan may say, look, I've got a better way. Come over here. And the lure of the attraction draws us because it seems like, hey, the grass is greener over there. But as soon as you get over there, there's weeds all in the yard. And so here, this third attack is saying, hey, take a shortcut on God's will. Do You know, whatever we worship, that is what we will serve. And Jesus knew that. If he bowed down and worshiped Satan, then he would be he would be serving Satan. Then Jesus, three times, encounters with the word of God. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Each time in temptation, the word of God was Jesus' weapon. Each temptation, the word of God was sufficient. Each temptation, the word of God gave Jesus the victory. Do you know how we respond to temptation will determine our destination? You and I have been equipped with everything we need to defeat Satan. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us as believers. We're never alone. We have the word of God, which is the weapon. It is sufficient. It gives victory. 
You see, the Spirit ministered in the wilderness. He ministered by leading. He led Jesus to the temptation, but he led Jesus through the temptation. The Holy Spirit ministered by his presence. He never left left Jesus alone, nor without power. We must remember that we never wander alone. Whether we're on the mountaintop with the beautiful views of God and of life, or in the deepest, darkest valley, the deepest, hardest trial and temptation you've ever experienced, God is wandering with us. And the Holy Spirit ministered through the Word. He guided with and by the Word of God, which is why the Word of God is so essential to our lives. It's through the Word of God that victory was sealed over temptation. And Jesus knew what he was to do even before the temptation came, and it was through the Word of God that he found the victory. So we finish with this. How do you discern the voice of the Spirit and the voice of Satan? I would say it's tone and what is said. You see, the voice of the Holy Spirit will never put you down. It will never say that you are not enough, that you are not good enough, you're not qualified, that you are ugly. The Holy Spirit will never tell you you're unlovable, you're helpless, you're hopeless. Those are not the words of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something contrary to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never cause doubt to enter into your mind, will never tear down God or call God's existence into question. Those are all the voice of the flesh and of the enemy. And if those voices are in your head, you need to tell them to shut up. I have to do this all the time because I don't know about you, but my head can be a war zone. My mind, and sometimes I just wish it would stop. But the voices are there and they're going back and forth. And I have a decision of which one I'm going to listen to. And so many times the voice of the flesh and the enemy overrides the voice of truth and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because Satan will tell you this, you're not enough, that you're stupid, you're ugly, you're not loved. There's no way you can be forgiven. You've done it one too many times. You've messed up one too many times. You went too far. You'll never get over your past. Your past is always going to define who you are. That's what he wants to tell you. You are hopeless. You are not loved. I mean, do you see what happened in that relationship? You're not loved. You're not worthy. You have no value. Are you sure God's word really means that? Are you sure that God really exists? You're better than everyone else. We can flip it the other way. You are the best. You see, these are all lies of Satan and lies we tell ourselves all too often. We must speak truth to ourselves. We must line what our thoughts up are with the word of God. The Bible talks about casting down imaginations and bringing every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. And you and I had to stop the voices in our head. We had to say, look, I'm not going to listen to the flesh. I'm not going to listen to uh, the voice of the enemy. Because what happens is you and I let that stuff play around in our mind. We let it play around so long in our mind, we begin to believe it. We begin to believe we're not enough. We begin to believe we can't be forgiven. We begin to believe we're not loved. We're, We're helpless. We're useless. We're hopeless. We begin to believe the doubts. We begin to believe that God's character is tarnished and God's existence is being questioned. We begin to believe that and therefore our actions will follow with what we believe. You have to speak truth to yourself and know the Holy Spirit's never going to tell you those things. The Holy Spirit's always going to speak truth to you about what God really thinks of you. And when you hear those other voices, you must silence them. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.